I'm sorry to break up the uh, great conversations that are taking place all over the building. But uh, more than I realized, all that's gone before, right up to including what Kate shared with us, is a wonderful preparation for the message we're going to have this morning. It's in a series, and okay, we could just tick and say, yep, we've done the spirit and the gifts. But I believe, from my heart as I sat there, that all that we've heard this morning is a preparation for us personally, us together, and you personally. So I just want, you know, the Holy Spirit to come, blow away the cobwebs, and I know because I sometimes sit where you sit, it's possible to be planning your week during the sermon. And I don't want you to do that because I think you'll be missing a defining moment in your life and in the life of Muttley. So let's begin by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. If you want to read it in the Pew Bible, it's page uh, 1153 in the Pew Bible. And uh, this is 1 Corinthians 12. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all of us. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one that's given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, the ability to speak in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Now I'm going to read on. The words will disappear from the screen. But let me read from verse 12. The body is a unit though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ and his church. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, Those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Now then, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now this is God's word and we give him thanks and If you're really interested, you should go on and read chapter 13, which is the magnificent chapter on love, and then chapter 14, 
which is all about how to use in the body of Christ the gifts that have been uh, given to us. We've reached the seventh of the studies in Keep in Step with the Spirit, and we've reached the uh, passages on the Holy Spirit and the gifts. Three key passages you need to remember. The first is 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. That's probably the biggest chunk of Scripture on the Holy Spirit and the gifts. The second is Ephesians chapter 4, and the third is Romans chapter 12. And you need to put all of them together to have an understanding of the Holy Spirit and the gifts. And in this particular passage, the best way to begin, uh, as we will show in a minute, is to um, look at how Paul uses the human body as an illustration of how the church is meant to work together. But we're not going to look at Ephesians 4, but let me just remind you of what Ephesians 4 is about. When Clive begins his ministry, I've seen his autumn teaching program, and he's going to take us through the letter to Ephesians, so there'll be a big chunk on chapter 4. We'll be able to go deeper into it then. But in chapter 4, verse 11, we read about people who are given as gifts, as opposed to gifts that are given to everyone. That's what 1 Corinthians is about. But Ephesians is about people gifts. So you have the gift of the apostle, who is able to pioneer new territory, take the church where it's never been before. And you have the gift of the prophet, who by God-given words is able to enlarge the vision of the church, to encourage, sometimes to warn, sometimes to challenge. And then you have the gift of the evangelist. All of us are called to speak about Jesus, but the evangelist gifted person has a special gift of winning people to Jesus Christ. And then you have the pastor who has the caring heart of a shepherd, desires to keep the family together, cares for the flock, knows them by name. And then finally you have the teacher. The teacher is able to, to speak God's word so plainly that God's people come to understand what it means and want to obey it. So those are the five people gifts. And what happens is that sometimes you cluster you, you may not be a gifted evangelist, but you love evangelism. So you'll bring your particular gifts, might be administration or help or prayer or hospitality, and you will cluster around that gifted evangelism. Sometimes it's, it's teaching, and so you're not called to be a Bible teacher on a Sunday, but you love to get small groups together and teach God's Word. So these are clusters, if you like, and in a, about a week's time, I'll be setting off for another visit to Africa, and I love the pictorial way Africans teach the scriptures. So when they come to Ephesians 4, I think I've shared this with you before, they use the hand. They say the thumb is the, uh, the, the thing that holds things together. It's the balancing part of the hand. And so the, the apostolic gift makes sure the church is always breaking into new territory. The finger is the prophet, because the prophet is able to put the finger of God, as Jesus did when he met that lady at the well who had five husbands and was in a bit of a mess spiritually, the prophetic gift in Jesus. And then thirdly, you have the evangelist, because that's the longest finger on the hand. It can reach where other parts of the hand can't reach. And this is often the finger where people wear rings. So this is the pastor, the love finger, the gift of loving the church. And this is the teaching gift, this little finger here. Why is the little finger the teaching gift? Because what else is the little finger for but to, to get in the ear of the church? So you get God's truth into the ear. So that's, if you like, the Ephesian 
people given as gifts. And when you move into Corinthians, which is where we are this morning, you see how gifts are given to people. And um, we're looking at this wonderful passage. I want you to look, if you've got your Bibles, at both verse 12 and verse 27. In verse 12, Paul says, a way of understanding the church and its gifts is how God has designed our bodies, made up of different parts, but they work together as one body. And so it is with the church of Jesus Christ. Verse 27, you can't miss it. You are the body of Christ. And each one of you is part of it. Not you are like a body, but you are. You are the body of Christ. The core truth that he's saying here is when Jesus was here on earth, he was here bodily, born bodily as a baby, grew up bodily, exercised his ministry through a human body. He was the apostle. He pioneered new territory. The book of Hebrews says he's pioneered a new way into God's presence for us. He was the prophet. He spoke truth in such a way that people's, their lives just came into order. He was the supreme evangelist. He reached people that other people had given up long ago. He was the caring pastor who knew how to care for the sheep and pray for them. And of course, he was the supreme teacher. Luke 24, when he was opening the scriptures on the road to Emmaus, people's hearts burned because the truth of God so came alive. Now, when Jesus ascended to heaven, God's intention was a body would be left on earth. Not one body, the unique body of Christ who could only be in one place, Middle East as we know it. And very few areas are mentioned in the Gospels, places like Jerusalem and, and Galilee and Nazareth. God intended that there would be a body of Christ that would be millions of people in thousands of places. So today we've all remembered in our prayers. Thank you to the Manuel family for using your gifts to bless us this morning. We've remembered that there is a, a huge body of Christ worldwide, and we are the body of Christ here at Muckley. And what uh, Jesus did after he ascended to heaven, where he is ruling his church and praying for his church and waiting to return, he sends his Holy Spirit. That's the message of Pentecost. And the gift of that Spirit is two things. First, it's the presence of Jesus. If you're a believer, then the presence of Jesus is in your heart this morning. But secondly, he sends his spirit in order to give gifts to his church so they can be a body. As he was a body, he wants us to be a body. So that when people encounter Muttley Baptist Church with all the gifts being used under the influence of the Holy Spirit, they're meant to say, wow, that's, um, that reminds us of Jesus. And when the wider world encounters the ministries of Muckley, it makes them think of Jesus. Remember the solid truth we've seen in every one of our studies. The task of the Holy Spirit is to flood like Jesus. Just as if you go down to see Smeaton's Tower at night time, you don't go and take pictures of the lights. You take pictures of what the light is shining on. It's shining. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's what we do here. We flood like Jesus. So we're gifted in that particular way. Now I want to show you four words that will help you to understand how the gifts operate. And they begin in verse uh, 4. The first word in verse 4 is the word, uh, it's the phrase, different kinds of gifts. Can you see that? Different kinds of gifts. The word gift there is charisma. 
Spiritual gifts are a grace gift from the Father. Gifts are not a reward for service. They're just something that happens, it's put in your life, the day you become a believer. It's at least one gift, sometimes it's a cluster of gifts. And in a moment we will understand that your task is to discover what gifts God has given you. But nobody's left out. Uh, Last um, Thursday, Janet and I, Janet's here this morning, and we celebrated our 49th wedding anniversary. And uh, we, uh, as a special treat, were invited via David Rossiter, who's a member here, an elder, to go to the passing out parade at the Britannia Royal Naval College in Dartmouth. And uh, it was a wonderful occasion. You would have been really proud of David. I've never seen him look so smart. Um, Absolutely incredible with all his gear on. He preached a wonderful sermon. Families there, vice admirals, all sorts of dignitaries, and about 100 cadets passing out, becoming midshipmen. Um, I noticed that uh, David was wearing proudly some of his badges and medals. Some people had medals, some didn't. Medals for, for bravery, medals for long service, medals for good conduct, people wearing their medals. Some had, some didn't. If I look out this morning, for every believer here, I want you to sort of reach down metaphorically, as it were, and say, I've got a medal. It's called gifts. Not given for good conduct. Not given for bravery not given for good attendance and all these kind of things, all of which may be true, but just given as a grace gift. And not one of you is left out. Every person here who is a believer in Jesus Christ has been given a gift through gifts. First thing we learn here, charism, the charisma of the gift. I have a gift from God, which is meant to be a blessing to the church here at Muckley. Here's a second word in verse 5, and that is the phrase, different kinds of service. Spiritual gifts are for active service. The word used here is the same word, uh, the Greek word used for deacon, diakonoi, which means servant. And if you're a servant, you're not just holding an office, you, you do something. This is spiritual gifts, as it were, in action. Gifts are not for your selfish enjoyment, or your private use, or your proud display. They're for the blessing of other people. Many years ago, I was uh, uh, preaching in a village church. I can't remember where it was. Um, after the service taken back to a house, we had lunch. And after lunch, the, the guy I was staying with just said, oh, come with me. So we went out, out doors, and he opened the garage doors. And inside, there was a car under wraps, and he took the cover off the wrap. Uh, the, the wrap off the car, and there was this Hillman Minx, 1950s. He opened the bonnet and he said, sit inside. So I sat inside. Smell the leather, he said. He started the engine. Listen to that engine. The family never rode in the car. The car never went out on the road. He had bought the car as an investment. And he was so proud and uh, it was it was sparkling clean inside and out and we had a little chat, and he turned the engine off, closed the bonnet, put the wraps on, came out, shut the garage door, and went in and had a cup of tea, and that was it. Let me tell you this. Um, I did look on Google, by the way, and I Googled the fact you can pick up a 1939 Hillman Minx with 29,000 miles on it, and it'll cost you 10,500. So if you've got a baby Austin at home or a Morrissey, 
please tell me afterwards. The point I'm making is this. You can keep a car under wraps in the garage, but you cannot do that with spiritual gifts. You can't say, well, I know what God's given me, but it's not serving anywhere. It's a nonsense. And I would be an unfaithful pastor if I didn't tell you that. Spiritual gifts that are a gift of grace from God are given to you to be active in service. Second word, third word. The third word is in verse 6. And it says this, different kinds of working. The Greek word there is energetic, energy. So spiritual gifts require spiritual energy. You need God's power to use God's gift. And if you attempt to use God's gift without God's power, your life will not be fruitful. That's why Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. With me, you can be fruitful. So don't use your gift without divine energy. You will know when that is happening. Others will know, and above all, God will know. If I miss anything from my international travels, it's a seven o'clock service in a warehouse in some city in America with a black Baptist congregation. It's a wonderful way to wake up on a Sunday morning. And they all have phrases like, if you have been appointed, then you need to seek the anointing. If you've got the appointing, you need the anointing. And they will have it as a liturgical repetition, so it's in the head. And it's absolutely right. If you've been appointed with a gift, if you've been appointed to an office, then you must have with the appointing the anointing. The anointing of the Holy Spirit that comes down. Because with the anointing on the gift, that's when the energy of God begins to flow. It's so important. I love the fact that in Romans chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27, we have that gift mentioned, the, uh, the gift of helping others. Monthly ministries would grind to a halt without the gift of helps. And we need helps at the moment. You've already heard in our service and through our word, and the Lord, I hope, is stirring your heart. Your gift matters. It matters enormously right here. Just take a Sunday service. I know at the moment we're one down uh, on the recording studio. We need somebody to help in there. That's a help. We met, Janet and I were in Oxford two weeks ago, and we met people, friends of ours, in Texas, two young teachers in Dallas Baptist University. If you're listening this morning, we send greetings to Adam and Blake. And they're able to listen to the ministry from Muttley thanks to the ministry that takes place there. We need people to take these flowers tomorrow morning. We're one down on those who take their car out. It doesn't probably take more than half an hour. We need bed pushers. We've heard about that. Supremely, we need people to work among the children's ministry. So do you understand how these helps that come alongside others who are working, Muckley only operates when people with the diverse ministries that we have bring and say, this is the gift God has given me. But boy, I need the energy of God to employ this particular gift. In the first service, we heard the need for people to take tea towels home to wash them. That's a helps, a helps gift. And God touched our hearts this morning to say, Lord, what gift have you given? What time have you given? What ability have you given 
but I can offer to you and then say, Holy Spirit, come down and give energy to this gift. Sometimes the energy you need, and do I know this, is the energy to keep on keeping on. And Lord, you've appointed me, so please give me the energy to keep on keeping on. It's a wonderful word that, isn't it? And then we uh, find that uh, we have this fourth word, which comes in verse 7, and that's the word manifestation. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. When something's manifest, it's seen. So you can see how between verses 4 and 7, you have the spiritual gift, which is a grace gift, the spiritual gift, which is a serving gift, the spiritual gift, which has to be energized by the Holy Spirit, and now the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, the spiritual gift that has to be seen. has to be seen in action. When you and I use our spiritual gifts, might be stronger. The Bible uses again and again the word edify. You know what an edifice is? It's a building. And therefore, when something is edified, it is, it is built, it is built up. And what happens is when everybody here who's a believer, who says, thank you, Lord, that you've given me a grace gift, they know what that grace gift is, and with the help of others, they find what part in the body of Christ here that gift is to be exercised. The church grows. If you want a verse to go with this, then look at the magnificent verse from Ephesians in chapter 4, verse 16. As we grow up in Christ, the head of the church, amen. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. Here's the killer verse, part of the verse. As each part does its work. When each part is working properly, the body is working, the body is healthy, the body is fruitful, the body of Christ here at Mutley. Michael Green makes a very serious point about this. He says, what happens when each part fails to work properly? What happens at Muckley when not every part is working? And, and he uses some stark phrases, so if you don't like medical programs, cover your ears. Amputation, he says, is when members cut themselves off from a commitment to use their gifts. It's a self-amputation. They actually say, I, I, I'm here, but I'm not here really. And certainly my gifts are not here. Well, that's spiritual amputation. Elephantitis. Elephantitis is when one ministry grows to a size far greater than it should be. There's something abnormal when one gift dominates the whole church. Atrophy. Atrophy is when members think that attending a service, that's all there is to the Christian life. So with grace, I say it gently in my heart, to sit there with the gifts locked away in your life and just turn up for fellowship and a cup of tea. That is not how God wanted you to use your gifts. Fractures. When members fall out with one another and the pain is felt by the whole body. I'm a wise enough pastor to know that some of the reasons why people are not using their gifts here is because there's been a fracture. And in your heart of hearts, you would love to be walking properly. You would love to throw away the sticks. And you sometimes say to yourself, with all the pain you're feeling, is this pain felt in other parts of the body? And I don't know. I ask you the question, do we feel the pain 
when some part of the body is fractured and we're unaware of it. Holy Spirit, just send a, a spirit of wisdom and pastoral concern among us. Even after this service, help us to go up to somebody and say, you know, I, I feel that you might be part of the fractured body of Christ here. And if the Spirit is working between you, then who knows what might happen. Jane and I had a couple of dear friends around the other day and they know what's wrong. It's not this church, it's another church. And the guy said with the wife's approval, we're frightened of what will happen if we raise this particular pain. They know in their heart, because they're in pain, that something needs to be said, but will we be rejected? Will we be scoffed? Will somebody say, well, you're making it up? So I understand the nature of a fracture. And then there's arthritis. Arthritis is the grinding of bone on bone, and it hurts. In a healthy bone on bone, it doesn't grind on bone, it sits on a seating of gristle. And the name of the gristle in the body of Christ is love, 1 Corinthians 13. That 1 Corinthians 13 is very powerful about how it's possible to minister to some of the highest gifts, but if it's without love and without the anointing of the Spirit, it's useless. You can even give your body to be burned. You can give away all you possess. You can speak with the tongue of angels. All these gifts that we know, read the opening part of 13. But without love, it just dies in the dust of fruitlessness. These are tough things, but they're there in God's word this morning. Now, why is it that we have these ailments in the body? Uh, whether it be amputation, elephantitis, atrophy, fractures, or arthritis. Well, he goes on in the verses that follow in 1 Corinthians 12 to tell you why. Two basic reasons. One is that people like us suffer from an inferiority complex. We don't think our gifts matter. And the second is some of us suffer from a superiority complex. We think our gifts are the most important in the church. And if we disappeared, this church would fall down. Well, both are wrong. And both those attitudes lead to some of these ailments that we've been describing. I find it helpful, and I recommend that you do it, to read the latter part, read the whole of the chapter 12 in the message, because it, it suddenly comes alive. So, for example... If you feel inferior in the gifts that you know God has given you, and that's why you don't use them, this is what he says through the message. If the foot says, I'm not elegant like the hand embellished with lip rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. And if the ear says, I'm not beautiful like the eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If it was all ear, how could it smell? So to those who say, well, my gift is, is a very inferior gift, and it's part of the body. So what it says, God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it to be. And if he hasn't made you a mouth but an ear or a big toe, then you say, thank you, Lord, that I'm part of the body, and I have a place. You lose your big toe, and you'll realize how the whole body is affected. And what about those who feel superior? They're probably not here this morning. But let me say it to my own heart. The moment that I think to myself, my gift, the gift that I've got is the most important, 
He says this, an enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size, its proper place. No part more important than its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you. Or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. There's a lovely part where he actually says this, that the parts that are less honourable, the gifts that we actually don't think really count, and if they weren't there, we wouldn't miss them. God apparently has a very special honour for those parts of the body that we dishonour. We need to wake up, church, this morning and just say, Lord, you're so good and you're so gracious. The gifts that you've given to your church to be the body of Christ, and I have a part to play. So how do we discover what our spiritual gifts are? Well, there are three responsibilities. The first is God. Lord, we thank you this morning that you, as the Almighty One, have gifted Muttley Baptist Church with spiritual gifts. You have a part for each believer here to play as you have designed. Not as we would choose, but as you have designed. So we begin with God's responsibility. He's fulfilled that. The gift of the Spirit that was shared at Pentecost has been shared on you the day you became a Christian. It was symbolized in your baptism. If you were baptized here, the hands that were laid on you are a symbol that you've been baptized by one spirit into one body. You're in Christ, and if you're in Christ, you're a gifted Christian, ready to become part of the body of Christ. So the Lord's fulfilled his responsibility if you're a believer. If you're not a believer, then I would say on the basis of what God's word says, you can come into God's family this morning. By faith in the death of Jesus, asking for forgiveness of sins, asking for the gift of the Holy Spirit, new life can begin in you today. But there's a second responsibility, and that's your responsibility. At the end of chapter 12, at the beginning of chapter 14, it has the phrase, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Eagerly desire. Paul, when he was writing to his young pastor friend Timothy, said, stir up the gift of God that's in you. Fan into flame. He talked about, don't neglect the gift that God has given you. And I say that from my pastor heart to you. If God has given you a gift, then just look inside this morning and say, Lord, what is that gift? You may need help to find out what that is. I'm, I'm getting excited, maybe, because I'm, I'm more in touch with Clive and Ross than, than most. Uh, Clive was down this week, and he's already presented his preaching schedule, and we're in touch with Ross. And I tell you what, some mighty days are coming in September. And wouldn't it be wonderful to think that these two pastors who are preparing themselves to use their gifts will be joined by many more people here who say, yes, Lord, my gifts are bubbling up and I want to join that team. Otherwise, we're going to have elephantitis. We're going to have two big, gifted pastors and the church will be misshaped. We want to be the body of Christ with every part playing its part. I've only got this Sunday and the Sunday in September and then I'm done. Well, I'm not done, but... I'm done at Muttley. And if I have any burden that I have to convey to you, and I have had the freedom to do that through the times I've been with you, I say this grace-filled. More of you need to come off the fence and offer your gifts to be part of the body of Christ here. 
I think Ross and Clive, once they arrive, they will know that there are parts of the body that are not operating as they should do. And it may be that there are fractures, and if so, we need to hear about them so we can get mending. But I appeal to you with all I can as a pastor. Thank you, Lord, you've given this church gifts, but we need to release those gifts. And there's a third responsibility. There's God's responsibility, there's our responsibility, and there's the church responsibility. The Bible says you're to provoke one another to good works. In other words, other people are to come. It happened in my life. Jan and I would say, thank you to God for people you've never met called Eric and Margaret. They were our youth leaders. Every time I see people up here, you know, dear old Chris Brown and, and Kate saying how he's gone through, I, I once was Chris's age. And it was Eric who came alongside and said, you know, I see this gift in you. You've got the gift of leadership. And when you open the word sometimes, I really feel you've got a Bible teaching gift there. My pastor Herbert, who taught me the rudiments of New Testament Greek, he provoked me. And then when I had a big setback in my life, it was two other people, Ron and Betty, who came alongside and said, well, they may have said, no, that was a shut door, but we want you to come to us. So thank you to Chessington Evangelical Church, who when the Baptists, of all people, said they didn't want me, Chessington Evangelical Church said they did. Yes, the first time I applied to be a minister, I was turned down. And it took a group of people to say, well, we believe you've got gifts. And then eventually the Baptist came back and said, well, maybe, can we have another think about this? And life was different. So I say to you today, look around. Look around for our children and our youth workers and our future elders and, and all the gifts that are needed. After this service, don't waste it on trivia about the weather. Go up to somebody and say, you know what the Lord said to me about you this morning? I want to provoke you to good works. I want to stir up the gift that is within you. So those are three areas of spiritual gifts. It's a big topic. And it's going to take sometimes a long time to get to the place where we want to know what God has put within us. But I'll leave you with three things. Look up, look in, and look around. Look up right now and say, thank you, Lord, for all that you have given to me. Look in and say, what is the current gift? Sometimes gifts are given for a season. I know in my life when I felt a gift bubbling up and it was for a particular season, a particular occasion. I know people who were deeply active here, but then suddenly their ministry was confined to one room. And that one room became a boiler house room for prayer, which touched the whole world. So remember there are seasons for the gift, but stir up the gift that is current for this season. And then look around and do that provoking. Before we sing our final song, let me pray. Lord, look at your people here, your gifted church, Muckley Baptist Church. Thank you for this family. Thank you for this amazing family. This amazing family who each week is caring and loving and using all those apostolic and prophetic and evangelistic and, and pastoral and teaching gifts. We are an amazingly privileged people. But Lord, we want to be even more a grace-filled, effective body of Christ for you. So thank you for the gifts you have stirred up. Would you stir up even more this morning? And help us to come through the fractures. Help us to come through those painful periods when we just 
don't know any longer where we fit in this body of Christ, but show us by your grace that we have a part to play to make your body here effective. This is our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' strong name. Amen.